There it is. Look how luxurious this image is. Good afternoon, good after, good morning to some of you, good evening, um, and welcome back. I'm going to try and keep this as steady as possible, but I am, uh, so for those of you that, that don't know, we have moved to New Mexico. I tried to do this show last week, and I was at a truck stop, a love truck stop, and it was way too loud and with the dog and it was hot. I was like, there's no way this works and it has any kind of audio quality. So we just scrapped it. So then this, and plus my wife didn't have internet. She was already in New Mexico. She flew out with the kids. We, I drove out with the dog, made it here in like just over two days, which is incredible. Um, but now this week we are, our Delivery date got pushed back. So we have no furniture in the house at this point. We are sleeping on the floor tonight. I am in my future studio, which is halfway through being painted. Um, and I don't have a chair to sit in, in the whole house. I'm sitting on the floor right now with a laptop on the lap. And so that's where we're at. This is it. But the show must go on, right? So, um, yeah, so, the, so my wife is dealing with stuff in the other room. Her mom's here. Her sisters are here. They're always here. It's really wonderful. And they are trying to get stuff out. Here goes the one airplane that's going to fly over all day over my house. So I hope this works. I, I see it's not working on Facebook, but they said that might be an issue on Facebook. And, uh, but we are here. And I am down to answer any question you have about anything. So please put in the chat if you can put a cue or question in front of it. I'm doing this on my own today, so I hope I don't skip a question. But if I do skip your question, please try and get my attention in some way, shape, or form. Because uh, I typically just go into order, and I don't want to miss them. But I don't usually typically go in order. My wife goes into order, and I try to follow along what she's doing. And she just pops them up on the screen for me. So I'm going to go over there now. Um, so let's see. First one up. Mallory, what's up? Uh Congrats on the move, Reynolds family. Thank you very much. I also just am realizing I didn't bring my glasses in here. So I'm going to be, I'm going to be this old guy. Uh, how are you enjoying New Mexico so far? CJ, how was your trip and what were your favorite states to drive through? So I, so far, it has been um, incredible. Like for a couple of reasons. One, the house is, is beautiful. Like I love, love, love the house that we're living in. We have a fireplace, which I've not had a fireplace since I was a kid. And last night was I was in charge of dinner, so we made hot dogs over the fireplace. And because that's how cowboys do it, that's what I told my kids. It's really quiet. I'd say my initial impressions are things like um, weird stuff. Like it's everyone seems really nice. Like, like even when you pull up, because we need a lot of fast food this week because there's nothing in the house and we don't even have anything to cook it with, even if we had food. But like you go to Taco Bell or Taco Villa or Via, they told me, they told me I'm a gringo when I say, <laughs> I say Taco Villa. But uh, we go to Taco Villa and like the people there are like, hey, how are you today? And I said, good, man. how are you doing? Good, great. And I'm like, well, heck yeah, man. Uh, so stuff like that has just been really kind of funny. My dog loves that he has a yard. Apparently around these parts in the fall, there's a lot of flies and there are. My cat thinks that's the greatest thing in the world. She's just chasing, chasing flies and killing them and eating them, which that part's gross. And uh, 
there's nothing really to do except for to be together. Like we painted the kids' rooms, painted, started painting the studio, but it's the only thing to do is to kind of be together. And that's awesome. I'm in the middle of a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Harry, which is awesome. And this kind of all just plays right into that. So, yeah, so that's the thing. Uh, at the moment, my, my kind of quick take on, on New Mexico. Uh, favorite states to drive through? Um, so I did Jersey to Pennsylvania, West Virginia for like a hot second, which was gorgeous. Um, where do I go next? I think Ohio, Missouri. Uh, I forget where I connected into then. Remember going through Oklahoma forever. Uh, Oklahoma is way like is way larger than I than I remembered it being. I think it was. Um, oh, we put the air on now, and the wind. Okay, so now the floor tarp is coming up because the the family put the air on in the other room. Um, I think that little nub at the top of Texas was my favorite because it's. It was like, it wasn't a ton of ranches. It was just like open land. And that was gorgeous. And it might have been the time of day. I was going through at sunrise. It was really gorgeous. But it was really something. It was spectacular. So, yeah. So, there's, there's my answer. answer. Uh, hope you all said it quickly when the furniture arrives. Me too, Heather. Because sit on the floor is, is something else. Um, how come you moved to New Mexico? You left your other home? I did. So, I left New Mexico. Or we, so, there was an opportunity in in New Mexico. My mother-in-law was selling her house. Um, things just aligned that we could get it. And so we decided to make the move. The short version is, and I, I may have talked about this a couple weeks ago. Um, there, my neighborhood that I was living in has gotten consistently worse with regards to violence and open drug use and things of that nature. So, which is, I mean, we moved to that neighborhood to be good neighbors. Like we moved to a neighborhood with about 50 or more of our friends, all to just be good neighbors in that neighborhood. The issue was that, like, over time, a lot of those folks left, and then we were the last people, we were the last ones kind of there. The, the problem was that really solidified it for me was a few weeks ago, um, a guy OD'd in front of my house, and my son found him and had to come in and tell me, my 16 year old son. And then we waited there for the cops to show up and the ambulance and stuff like that. And uh, I didn't have any, like everything, like I didn't have any Narcan, which I usually have in the house. And so uh, it was not even that moment, but it was afterwards when I realized that my son and I stood there and watched and we had both become so desensitized to this sort of behavior, this sort of thing happening in the neighborhood, never so close and right in front of my house, but like you just get desensitized. So, and I, so I was talking to a student of mine, DJ Dirty Kev, and he's like, yeah, he was Reynolds. That happened. Uh, a guy got shot in front of my house, like a couple doors, like 700 feet from my house, uh, which was odd that he knew how many feet, but like he said, and we, everyone just went back inside afterwards. And then I went to work. and and so. In talking to Kev and talking to my family, it was like, I don't want to live near that anymore. I don't want my kids to grow up in that. I worked in that in West Philly. That's, that was a common occurrence, unfortunately. But like, 
if given the choice, I didn't want my kids to, to, to grow up in that. So that was part of the reason for the move to New Mexico. And it's where my wife's whole family is from, and they are, they're awesome. So it's, it's been great. Uh, I didn't throw that last question up on the screen because I'm, because I'm all my own here. So Lopez, what's up, buddy? Um, how you feel being in New Mexico will inspire, uh, will inspire you with your life goal. So here's the thing, you know, I think, I work a lot, man. And and so even when I was in the classroom, I was working, I don't know, in the classroom, coming home by around six every night, usually. Um, then I would work, do YouTube, family stuff, and then do YouTube till about midnight, and then still get up at five o'clock in the morning. Here, my plan is to build a new rhythm that I can, I am not working as much. I'm getting, but I'm getting more done. And I think I can do that with both of my kids in school with the space and time that we have here. Uh, and I'm not trying to trying to use the all the newness to my advantage. I do not want to let this kind of wear off, right? So it's like all the love. I mean, I, I love being here. Dude, like it is it is so fun and different. And like it's just, it's, it's a new game and, and for us as a family. So I am, I'm looking to really maximize that feeling of, of optimism, of excitement, of curiosity. So I hope that shows up on the channel. We will see how, in fact, that plays out. Um, because right now I'm sitting on the floor on a plastic tarp uh, that is filling up around me like like a parachute in gym class because they have the air conditioning on. Um, so it's been it's been great. Uh, next question, Liz Cochran is asking. There it is. Uh, so glad you made it safely. Thank you very much, Liz. I am glad too. I was nervous the whole. I was in, I'm drove my wife's old Rav out here rap for and i was nervous the whole time that it was going to break down every single time i broke past someone that broke down i said like a prayer for them because i was like i need i need this to, to work for me uh how would you review how would you review setting with uh, setup? right am i reading this right I, for those of you to hear me i forgot my glasses in the other room so i'm hoping i can read this all right how would you review setting with high school students and its impact on a narrative um, oh, how did I review setting? Okay, okay, I was reading that wrong. Um, that's a great question. How would I review setting? I I think by I'm I'm big on things that students are already into. So can I create um, a review? I'm, I'm trying to think of like what platform I would do it on. I might even just do it on PowerPoint, especially if you have access to YouTube. Uh, either I might show very short clips of the exposition of a TV show or a movie that the kids, some that they, it doesn't even matter if they know what it is, that, and talk about how the setting plays into this like what are they trying to do with the setting so like i'm thinking of the opening to the, the movie the fog right nothing scary in the beginning but the we talk about that particular movie opening when we talk about settings when we do ghost stories every fall 
and it's just masterfully done. John Carpenter does it in a masterful way. I might look at the beginning of, uh, gosh, I'm trying to think of like, um, of a movie like, like Toy Story or Up, um, especially with the house, with like the, like living in the midst of all that madness and construction. But what are like some movies or TV shows that in that first, we're not talking long here, we're talking 30 second clips of movies or TV shows and talking about how that setting is going to impact a story that the kids already know about. And then I would probably move into like some brief close reading selection. So like if there's a specific story, a short story specifically, um, especially things that you've read already maybe this year or the, some stuff that the kids would know, it's reading these short opening pieces um, that is, that's going to help out. Uh, hey, did you guys put the air on? Yeah. I, okay. Uh, no. Thanks. Are you closing the windows? Because yeah. oh, it's creating like a whole parachute over here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Trip. My ADD is uh, is is. is uh, oh, shoot! I just need to get the whole. Um. No, that's fine. It's dry enough now. Uh, the not so secret wife is being not so secret over here on the side again. Um. Adam Law. Adam, thank you for the kind response. I appreciate that, man. Uh, I'm trying to. I love all the conversation. I'm just trying to find trying to find a question. Um, all right, got got one. All right, Lopez. Do you have a favorite restaurant in New Mexico? Chicano Claus would like to send a gift card for a pleasant dinner. Thanks, man. Um, I Lopez, you gotta text me that one because I don't know yet. Uh, I so it's it. Here's, here's what I'm getting so far, right? New Mexico is a lot of Tex-Mex. I love Mexican. So my, my wife's mom is half Mexican and makes like some of the best Mexican food I've ever had in my life. She told me that where we are is like cowboy heavy Tex-Mex. You have to go to, there's like another side of town or like there's a, like a, like a, Mexican neighborhood that's not too far from us. And she said, that's where you got to go to get like the authentic real stuff. Most folks that are here, this, where we're living has a huge military base attached to it. So most folks that come to town, I guess, aren't looking for like, they're still going to, I don't know, like, the, like, like a big, like Texas roadhouse kind of joint. Right. But like not looking for like, um, there's a spot near us that just closed down. I was bummed because I'd been there before called uh, La Mamacita's and that's like some authentic real world stuff. And that's what I'm kind of looking for. So if you text me, I'm going to ask my mother-in-law, like what's the spot to go to? Um, cause that's, I, I love Mexican food. It's, it's awesome. Um, Heather Bronner, OG, uh, Star Wars opening scroll. That's a great idea. Um, okay, here we go. Carl. So for those of you that are just tuning in and you're wondering what's going on, just real quick, I'm in New Mexico. I'm in my, my soon to be studio. I'm sitting on the floor. I started painting today or actually ran out of paint and I don't have any of my equipment yet, which is why a video didn't come out last Thursday either. Cause I don't have anything to shoot on or any lights or anything. So I just didn't make a video. Um, and plus, we are trying to move my mother-in-law out of this house 
while getting it ready for our movers are coming tomorrow morning. So it's been this mad dash of stuff. So I'm sitting on the floor. My wife is out helping my mother-in-law pack up because she has her whole life in this house still. So that's, that's what we're living through right now. Um, Carl is asking, I recently gave my learners a feedback survey on what they thought about my teaching and got an overall four, I guess it's 4.5 out of five. Thanks for all the advice for the higher. Thanks for the advice. Those higher ups are starting to take notice. Um, and looked. Oh, I thought that was a question, but it wasn't. Carl, that's awesome. Um, so here, here's here's an interesting thing. When giving it first, when giving kids like asking them for feedback, this can be terrifying, right? I've I've uh, done it, but there's a part of me that is always very very scared to give a feedback because I'm because I'm afraid that kids are going to give me bad feedback. Uh, hold me down to this coffee real quick. So they, but what I try to include is um, what have you liked? What have you not liked? What could be better? What would you love if we did in class? What would you like to see more of in class? And so then I am, I can enter into this with a growth mindset because I don't just get to see this stuff where kids go, it's boring. This class is boring. And it's like, I, that doesn't help anyone because I don't like what's bored. Like the whole class, yeah, the whole thing. And it's like, well, that's not true, right? Kids always seem to think in terms of like, um, it's so dualistic. It's either this is great or this sucks. And it, so like trying to find what are those small things that I can change that's going to make the class better is really great. And then that's, that's awesome that you're getting that, higher ups are taking notice on why, like some people might be asking why would I even want that? Like, I don't want any more attention. Um, because when people know you're doing great work. Like I never do anything so that anyone comes in to see, because, because that, and here's why, not because it doesn't help also because I, I don't do as good of a job when I'm trying to impress someone. I do a better job when I'm just trying to do great work for kids and I'm enjoying myself and people see that authenticity, then, then that wins me attention from, from admin. Why does that matter? Sometimes it matters because you will get more love. You'll get more attention. You'll get more, uh, you'll get like, if you want to take a trip, if you need money for a project, if you, they're more willing to bet on you because you have, shown you've done good work in the past and so that that really helps as well uh looking 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 okay here we go uh rv is asking hi i've got a lovely class of second graders with a sense of humor Three quarters of the class is focused, but one quarter is struggling with impulse control. I want a playful mood in class, but I don't want to set kids off. Oh, goodness gracious. And isn't that always the situation, right? You are trying to, I think I just made a video about this, right? Uh, it's so funny. I don't even remember half the videos I'll make because I have to make new stuff. And so I can't hold them all in my brain. Um, you try and do something fun but it is like 
setting off the silliness bomb in class, and now everyone has the giggles. Everyone's it's they're, they're, they go up, but it's so hard to get them to come back down. What do we do with that? I think it's talking to those specific students ahead of time. Maybe um, it's so and. It, Look, I realize logistics of some of this is really difficult sometimes, right? Um, but like, so like the idea of talking to people ahead of time, maybe you don't have time. Talking to them afterwards, talking, you know, whatever it is. But it's 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 knowing how important that is. Knowing that you like you have to find the time to do it. And so once we find the time to do it, it's communicating to them of like, look, listen, y'all, I can't let can't let everyone know this yet. We're going to do something awesome today. But I need you to help me because sometimes the class gets really, really excited and then they don't bring it back down. I need you to help me to keep it cool because I don't want to, I, I, because I want to be able to do more of this stuff, right? You're going to love this. So can y'all help me? So now instead of calling them out just flat out on behavior, which is what you're going to do if it, if it, they don't do that, right? Like if they, they don't respond, you have to remind them that they're your helpers. Instead of putting them on blast in the moment, you're setting them up to be your helpers. Listen, I know you, I can trust y'all. Like I, I need you. And, and that, to be honest, that might be the case anyway, because they're probably some of your strongest uh, personalities in class, which is why they do the things that they do. So it's sometimes it's getting the kids that are the behavioral issues to be the behavioral uh, lifeguards in class that are going to help pull kids back in. If that doesn't work, it's calling them out on it in the moment and saying like, oh, hey, listen, I really want to do this. I realize you're excited. I need you to bring it down just like two notches. Can you do two notches for me? What does that look like? All right, great. And if that doesn't work, even if it does work, it might be it's worth calling home or, or, or sending an email home and saying like, Hey, look, I love their excitement, right? Because we do, right? We love that kids get excited. It's just that they go to 11 and it's like, I need to get like a nice cool eight so that the principal doesn't walk in or that we can get through this or that it's like, you're not losing your mind. Ask me at home, what's a good way to sort of de-escalate? Or maybe you could talk to your kid like, I love them. I love what they're doing. I love the energy they bring to class. But it's hard when I got 30 second graders in here and they're on like, 110% and I and I'm having a hard time like getting them to kind of bring it back to me. So that's that's what I would try and then see where that leads you and then look for clues on where you should go next. Uh another question. Heather. Heather is asking, I am mentoring new new to our school teachers this year. I tend to lean towards huge information dumps. I know that can be overwhelming. Uh, I'm not sure what they need most. Heather, I would ask them uh, because here, so here's what I'm going to tell you, Heather. Um, sorry, I'm trying this computer. It gets very hot, and so I'm trying to hold it now between my legs. Um, I have found in doing a ton of professional development that not everyone wants the same thing. It a lot of it comes down to Classroom management is huge. That's always the number one thing that people are wondering about. How to build authentic and meaningful relationships responsibly is important too, because you're going to have those folks that are your old friends, kids, 
and it's going to get super weird right away. And then back, oh, my internet is wacky. I'm waiting for my good internet. I have like a gerbil on a wheel that's creating the internet right now. So I'm sorry if this is glitchy. Uh, but they then they're going to get lost. They're not going to know what to do when the friendship is there and then the kids don't listen to them. And I thought we were friends and that whole scenario. Work-life balance, talking to folks about how to, how to create rhythms. But look, I am a firm, firm believer that if it's your first year, it's, it takes more, it takes longer, man. Like you just, you have to put in more work than than you do and that's with anything in life right like when you become a new parent guess what you're parenting a lot more than i'm parenting my 13 year old or shoot 14 year old now 14 year old and 16 year old so uh that's but but if but here's the thing and this is a good reminder and this works in parenting as well you put in all the work on the front end you don't be a don't when you're not a, a couch parent where you're yelling at your kids on the couch and not getting up and putting them in timeout, and walking them through and having the talks when you look, and this is just me, we're going to keep a hundred percent real right now. Um, I found that instead I got hit when I was a kid, right? I did something wrong. You, you got smacked. I found that I knew I didn't want to do that with my kids. I knew I wanted to talk to my kids, but I'll tell you what, it is so much more time consuming than just hitting your kids, right? Someone just tuned in. They're going, what the hell is he talking about right now? Um, but it, the, the payoff is so much better. Look, I talk with my kids about everything now still, and they come talk to me. So it's putting in that time now is going to pay dividends in the end. So with new teachers, it's like, you're going to have to put in extra time, but know that that's going to pay off. And it's not going to last forever. But it is finding a rhythm that you are coming to school prepared. I heard, I forget who said it, but I heard this great quote in the last year or two years that said a prepared, so this, sorry for the gender exclusivity, but I didn't come up with this quote, somebody else did, I'm putting on them. Um, a prepared man is better than a prepared message. I've also heard it say that a prepared pastor is better than a prepared sermon. And I love that idea because I know, and I, I buy by this, I live by this, me being at my best is better than me showing up with the best message. I can show up with the best message or the best lesson, but if I'm tired, I'm cranky, if I'm worn out, if I'm burnt out, you care. Your lesson can be the greatest in the world. It doesn't matter anymore because it's just because you aren't at your best. So that that's part of it too. So I would ask them do a do a form and, and see where they are, and then check in with them throughout the year because their needs are going to change as the year goes on too. There's going to be like new behavioral issues. There's going to be new uh, stuff they're going to need help with throughout the year, but that's what I would, that's what I would do. Uh, Mallory is asking, is Marley excited to start the new school year in New Mexico? Yes. Brody is going back to school as well for the first time in like three years. Um, he was homeschooled and now decided he wants to go back to school. Plus I'll tell you what, I don't have uh, I don't have 10th grade knowledge in, uh, in all subjects. It is, it is, he has out exceeded my, capacity of knowledge in science and history and all kinds of other stuff. He's good in English, but I think they're going to go, we're going to send them to private school. I think they are going to end up going to the local public school and they are very excited about it. Uh, a little bit nervous because they won't be going to the same school and that's what we were hoping for. But part of the push for private schools out of smaller classes and they would be in class, they would be in the same school together. and 
but because we don't know, I mean, we don't know anybody in the school. I don't know a teacher. I don't know a principal. I don't know anybody. So that's a little bit nerve wracking, but they um, are, but they are excited. I can see the week that they've been here already. They're already kind of losing. Like, it's like a, okay, let's get on with life kind of a thing. It's like, they don't even have their rooms put together and stuff like that. Uh, what's up, Maisha Hutchinson? I see you on there. I'm glad you could make it. I hope you're streaming in from Office Depot. We have Office Depot near us now. No more staples. So um, I don't know what we're going to do. we do another brand deal with staples next year. I'm going to have to order stuff online. Linda, my friend, is asking, hello, my students have been working on a group project. And on a given day, not all students within the group are actively working because they're on different roles. How do I keep everyone engaged? This is a great question, and it is the bane of existence of teachers because not all students are going to work anyway. And there's this great meme that has, like, I hope you all have seen this one. It's everyone from The Hangover, and it's like it breaks it down into, like, who does what in a school project. Like, this person does the most. This person does it, like, last minute. This person did nothing, that kind of a thing. So I think... How am I thinking about this? I'd love to know what people are thinking about this because it kind of depends on the group and it kind of depends on the project for me. Uh, I'm wondering, and, and I'm wondering if even though we're in small groups, could the groups, like, so even in the future, could the groups be smaller so that we have something for everyone to do? Um, Linda, I really wish I knew what the project was because I could, if you painted a picture, I could help you like figure that out because uh, I'm a little bit at, at a loss, not knowing what kids are doing, how old are the students, um, what are the kids going to be doing coming up. So, hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm, at, I'm a little bit at a loss. Uh, if you... I'll tell you what, Linda, if you put it in the Facebook group, I can answer it. And if you like paint a little bit of a picture, uh, right, go right over to our Facebook group and I can try and answer it in there. And then uh, just tag me in your post because some, some days there's a lot of posts in there and, and I, I get lost in the sauce. I start answering stuff or reading stuff and I don't get to see all of them. Um, but I know that's not a good answer. But, so, but, but I would say this. When you're planning group projects, one of the things I found was that it's being strategic that the right group of kids are, of course, in the right groups. And then I started making groups smaller, which made more stuff for me to grade, and it made the class a little bit busier. But instead of having four to five kids in a group, I put three kids in a group. And then uh, some students had to double task, or they would, I would take, like, if your part of the job wasn't that difficult anyway, then maybe you picked up two tasks, or we split a specific task in half. So that what was happening was that students, all students had something to do at any given moment. And especially if kids are creating something, this is far easier to deal with smaller numbers of people. It also increases the amount that all students are going to do because kids are more engaged because there's not as many people. You can't hide, right? You can't hide it in a, in a small group like you can in a large group. Um, let's see. Looking for questions is part of where I would typically do sing a song, and my wife would find a question very quickly. Uh, Ricardo Carter, 
Um, I had a student named Ricardo Carter, and at first I thought that was him on here, and he was fantastic. Mm. I have a meeting with admin to talk about this year's workload. I'm noticing I'm I've been I I'm noticing I've been handling registration and other department responsibilities with less prep for teaching. How do I handle the meet? I would figure out. So Ricardo, I think first of all, it's not about what I, I, I here's how I would think about it, right? And I'm not saying you are or are not doing any of the stuff, but this is where I would go. Sometimes it's not about thinking about what we can do. It's about thinking what we want to do and what we need to be doing. There's all kinds of stuff you could do in your school. And I've, I'm very guilty of getting caught up in this. I see things like, I don't like the way the hallway looks. So I redo all the bulletin boards. I don't like the way the school signs hung in the front vestibule. So I stay after school and I get a ladder and I bring in my drill and a level and I fix it and I make it look nice. Like, I don't like, like, cause I like fixing stuff. So I find things that are broken and I fix them. Is that what I should be doing? I don't know. Is it something I'm uniquely qualified for? Sort of like I can do it. But is it, is it, it's kind of like what I got to was what am I there to do? And what can only I do? If someone else can do it, then I started stopping doing that stuff. Cause here's what I found out. Ricardo was at, it was taking my time up from doing the thing I'm meant to do, the thing I'm built to do, the thing I'm uniquely qualified for, that is teaching the classes with specific students that I have. So when I took that time back, when I stopped doing stuff like running after, like two different after-school programs, and, and so running these giant projects in my classroom, running two separate after-school programs, um, running programs to bring in speakers into our school and building the sets for all of the plays and like all the other things that people would say, Oh, you know how to fix stuff. Did you come to my room? Did you do this thing? Did you do this thing? I, I stopped saying yes. And I started thinking if it's not a, if it's not a hell yeah, then it's a no. And then starting, that's my, that gets me to a baseline of I'm only doing that. Now, look, I realize that in, in, the profession that we're all in, it's very hard to stay there, right? There are, you end up doing more, you end up doing stuff that you don't feel like doing, or that is like, it's, I don't know, like, especially with the teacher shortage out there, like, I realize that there's more responsibilities than any of us have time for. But that was gave me my baseline. And then trying to figure out how I can get there. Here's the way I pitch it to admin when they want me to teach six periods instead of five periods, which doesn't sound like that big of a deal, or they want me to teach four or five different preps, six, six periods a day, five preps, right? So for those of you that are new to this, that means I'm setting up for five different classes, but I'm teaching six classes a day. That extra period doesn't seem like that big of a deal. Or if I'm only teaching five, like we'll give you five periods, but there's four preps in there. That's still too much. And what I have to make it seem like for admin is not that it's too much for me. It's that the kids are getting a lesser version of me because of this, that I want to make classes that make kids want to come to school, that make kids want to excel. Like being excelling isn't even a question because you're just doing better work 
because that's because they are they they love being in here. That I have students, especially when I'm teaching co-taught classes with all almost all of my students have a very complex IEP 504 plan, something of that nature, that I need to be able to give more time to these students than just a class period. So when you fill up my roster with bus duty, what? What am I doing bus duty for? When I'm, you're filling me up with lunch duty, like where instead I'd be eating lunch in my room, which is basically lunch duty because I had 30 to 35, 40 kids in there sometimes eating lunch and I'm tutoring kids and we're helping each other. And we're working on projects and we're doing stuff. Now you're, you're taking that away because I'm doing other stuff. So it's figuring out, it is painting the picture for them of why this is crucial that this is what I need to be doing and someone else needs to be doing this. Because when you fill up my time, I don't have time to tutor. I don't have time to plan uh, these epic, incredible, awesome lessons. I don't have time to sit with new teachers if that's part of my thing and, and help them through their struggles, their, their overwhelm. Like I need space and time to do stuff. Schools do this. They see that you have a prep and they think it's, or they, I love this term, ready? Free period. For what? You never met a teacher in the world that had a free period, unless the teacher didn't care, right? Some teachers, like, if you, if you checked already, like, you got free period. But, like, I don't have a free period. I'm planning for awesome. That's hard. That is, that takes time. It takes time to just sit there and imagine. If I look like I'm sitting there doing nothing, I am imagining of what I can do. And then I got to imagine the first picture in my head and then build that thing out. So that's some of what I would go through is what am I uniquely designed to do? How do I think I can bring value to our school? And then what is the time that I need allocated to be able to rock that thing? And that's what I would do. Uh, so good luck on that, man. I'd love to know how it turns out. My buddy Maisha is saying, question, every Friday I have independent study where students work on assignments that were not completed during the week. Awesome. This is also time that I can work with small groups. Perfect. I have one student, that's part one, pretends to monopolize my time by asking for assistance. Unfortunately, her anxiety and overthinking about the assignments blocks me from trying to reteach. Any suggestions on how I can wean her from monopolizing my time so I can check in with other students? I think it's a couple of ways. Um, one is, I, I, this could go either way. I think praise is huge. However, especially when students are coming to school, depending on where, where they're coming from, right? Like some kids aren't used to praise. They don't get it very often. They don't get people that love on them, take care of them. I see this all the time because I love, um, I am like, I am the 40, almost 47 year old that goes to every Thanksgiving, every holiday party, every Christmas party, and all the kids run up to me and my son when, when we get there, right? We're just, we are though, because we'll play with them. We'll talk with them. We'll run around and, and pay for it the next day at this age. But like, you're constantly doing that. The problem with doing that is some kids, they never get that attention at home. And so they will, they become a black hole for that sort of attention. 
you need to create the boundaries and letting kids know, hey, um, you're so great. Like, I love working with you and I love your diligence and I see you growing and learning. Um, but I need you to work on this next thing yourself because I need to go over and help Kyle because Kyle looks like he's struggling right now. And I want to make sure that we're caring for everyone. Keep like, let me know how this works out. I'll be back in this much time or I'll check in with you at the end of class or I'll talk with you again tomorrow or check in with me again after school or whatever. But you're giving them a follow-up time. You're giving them praise. You're giving them time and attention. You're giving them a boundary of a cutoff time because you got to go work with Kyle. Even when you go over, all right, Natalie, I'm so glad that I have 10 full minutes with you right now. And because I have to go over and work with Kyle because he's been struggling on something. And I'm so glad that you're doing so much better. But you, the next 10 minutes is completely yours. Like, let's get into it. Work with them. And then, you, and then you're giving them the follow-up time. It's not just this nebulous, like, I'm not really sure when I'm ever going to see you again. That's going to help the anxiety and stuff as well. Look, I'm not a doctor. This is just stuff that, like, like everything else on my channel, stuff I've seen work, that I've used in class. And it's, it's, I think sometimes my issue is the in-between time, right? So I have a talk that I just wrote that is, I'm giving on Thursday on this that's based on this saying of the, the music uh, music happens between the notes. It's the rest. It's the pause. It's the moments in between. And I think that relationships and student relationships are built in between the classes. They're not just built in the classes. So it's finding, seeing if there's time in between classes, in the hallway, in the lunchroom, before school, after school, that you can just touch base with kids that might need or want that extra attention. And it gives an appropriate time where you can do a little more monopolization there because it's not in class. And I can give you that social, emotional care and support and love in, the, in between times, even if it's for a moment, right? It doesn't have to be a really long time, but it's just saying, I see you, I care about you. I hope you have a great night. I hope you have a wonderful day today. It's those in between times that really help. And, and so then that way in class, I don't have to feel like I got to fit to care and the lesson into every class with every kid because that's impossible. Um, I don't work at home, Office Depot on Sundays. I was stretching me a little thin. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, I almost said it thought it said you didn't work there at all anymore, which would be a detriment to the Office Depot community. Uh, Nassim is asking with the setup of your old place, will you have a new place? or reset the whole thing? Did you bring everything with you from your other place? I did. So the new studio, first of all, I'm in, a, I'm in, this is a separate small bedroom and house. It's not big baller situation that I have here. Maybe once we get settled, I end up looking in the neighborhood for a studio that I can use, but for right now, that's going to be fine. Um, the, but I have a big closet in here and like, so it's really hard to see how big this is, but it is a pretty normal size room. I have natural light that comes in. I have a closet on the other side of me. It's going to be set up largely like the former setups that we have for Sunday Night Teacher Talk and for my regular videos. Plus, I'm going to have, a, I'm going to have enough room in here because I just maximize the crap out of spaces because I'm a public school teacher um, to do 
YouTube short so I can shoot things vertically. And then I'm going to have this other wall, uh, which might be with the smart board. If my brand deal that I'm working on right now works out, I'm going to have a new smart board in here and I'll be able to shoot and do videos there also. So I'm looking forward to that. And then, you know what, dude, like, to be honest, the way we're setting up the new house, I'm looking forward to doing videos like in the house, in the yard, in the desert that's next to my house. Like, like I'm looking forward to trying to figure out how I can do some more stuff. It's not just in the room um, once I get everything set up. So it'll, it'll be cool in here because I'm going to be able to like have studio lights attached to the ceiling and it, it'll be, it'll be dialed in, but you know, <clears throat> school teachers, we're good at maximizing spaces. That's what we do for a living. All right. Uh, next question. Oh, Linda, Brad. So I hope this is the, the, the follow-up to the question from before. It's saying, sorry, here's the context. It's an entrepreneur project. I already love me that this is an entrepreneurship project. Where students choose their own groups between three to five students per group. 12th grade personal finance class. Um, so, all right, here's, first of all, it's 12th grade. I, I'd ask this, Linda, is it so bad that some kids don't have something to do right away? I realize that that can lead to not doing stuff or sitting around or whatever, but in my experience, 12th graders are far more chill than younger kids. So if they're just waiting for their project, their part to come on, really, I think the biggest issue there might be um, continuing the motivation, having them actually be excited when their part comes up. And then knowing that for students that are doing the stuff on the front end, your job's not done. Because now this is where the collaborative piece comes into. So if you build something and then someone else has to take it from there. So let's say... I, this just probably has nothing to do with what you're doing, but <clears throat> if I'm thinking an entrepreneurship project, if someone is creating a product and then next someone has to work on the marketing piece of that, you can't market something that you don't know what it is, but you can start looking for marketing ideas. You can start building, pulling in like a, like a, almost like a vision board or an idea board of like, here's the kind of marketing that I like. Here's the kind of things that we want to be doing. If someone is then going to be taking some of that marketing, some of that, that some of the design pieces or elements of that, and then they're going to be creating ads or something of that nature, like Facebook ads, YouTube ads, uh, television commercial. Start looking for inspiration and looking for very specific elements. What's the rollout going to be? What's the hook going to be? What are hooks that I really like? Who's done this well? And then maybe looking for, like, maybe dissecting some of those pieces, right? So, like, looking at what made the squatty, for all y'all that remember the squatty potty, that was like one of the biggest ads, might still be the biggest ad in YouTube history. Uh, things like purple mattresses, like uh, Mr. Like Squatch, whatever the hell that soap company is. So like looking for stuff that's going to inspire the next piece. And then when that first component is done, how are we going to marry that? How are we going to go back and forth and have this collaborative piece between the students? So it's either looking for inspiration, getting prepared as much as possible, or it's just letting kids have that moment of it's okay if they have a day or, or, or two where you're working on something else while you're waiting for your part of the project to kind of 
come to fruition and be able to work on it. I hope that helps to some degree. And if it doesn't, I apologize. Um, next, my guy, Chris Carson up in here asking, I am planning, hoping to return to school after a month off of my wife's health issues. How do I prepare to hit it hard and get back? Chris, I don't think you're going to have an issue with that, buddy. So, um, honestly, I think it is, I think, so exciting to get back into the rhythm of that, especially dealing with all the stuff you're dealing with at home and with your wife being hurt and, and, and working through all that stuff. School can sometimes feel like a break coming back from that. And it's a, it's a, it's a good amount of distraction. I remember, uh, and not to compare apples to oranges here or anything like that, but like my wife had a miscarriage and it was, we didn't even know she was pregnant. She had an ectopic pregnancy. And I remember feeling like it was a blessing to be able to go into school those weeks following and, and how, how heartbreaking it was for me that my wife didn't have something equally as all consuming to get her through that. Now she did have both of our kids at home, but like that, they still have naps. There's still, there's still gaps for you to go through all that you have to go through when you're dealing with something at home and how it felt good to go back and have this like kids loving on me, caring about me, asking where I've been and either telling them really what happened or I always made up stories about what happened to me that I got, you know, abducted by aliens or kidnapped by clowns. And, um, and I had to perform a circus in Cuba, which was curious. And I make up all these stories or just showing up and being able to love on someone. Right. And the thing about school, Chris, that's so different from home sometimes is that, and this is no shade to anyone that's, caring for someone at home. I'm just saying the difference is the fixes at school are so much quicker sometimes that the love you give to a kid that can immediately break someone's day, immediately make someone smile, immediately make someone feel better. Your, your expertise immediately can help kids go from feeling invisible or not cared about to feeling seen and cared about. And at home, when you're waiting for someone to heal or praying for someone to heal, that battle so much more uphill. So when, take, when I was young and taking care of my mom who had cancer, for, it was the most intense five months of my life from the time that we found that she was diagnosed to the time that she passed away. It was super intense. And I had nothing else to do at that time. I just took care of my mom. And in retrospect, I see like, oh, this is why people keep working when they're doing this. It's not that I have to balance these two worlds, it's that I get to go to this other world, do something else. So I think just show up uh, as your wonderful self. And I think that's just going to be, it's going to, it's going to help you come home and care for your wife even better because you're going to bring that energy home with you. And it's, you know, when you're just sitting in the house and you're just doing the work, it's hard sometimes. It's even hard for parents. Like I think, you know, by and large, I, I hate, I always, and I'm using that word specifically. I hated going back to school after long summers off with my kids, but it made me a better dad, right? You start getting into this mode where you're like sleeping in late. You're not doing as much as you did in the beginning of the summer. Like you realize that you only have four to eight every night or four to nine every night or five to nine every night. 
And so it's like, I only have dinner, bath time, and like a little bit of me sitting here watching Yo Gabba Gabba with you or something like that. And then it's bedtime. And then I get to put you to bed. That's it. So I, I, that, that little time is so much sweeter because I know that I don't have, you know, little bits of it. So you're going to bring that energy home and then you're going to have that time with your wife better. So, um, I love it. That, so my best to you, buddy. I know that's really difficult time. Uh, and so I'm praying for you all. Uh, the baby red panda. You win. You win screen name of the week right there. I don't even know. Fantastic. Uh, I, would it be better if your profile picture was a baby red panda? Yes, because that would be just even more awesome. But anyway, what does the ideal co-teaching classroom look like to you? For me, and I'm sure this can look like this, this is going to look different for different people. I'm going to say it this way. I have a control issue, which is, I think, why I like to drive the car all the time. Because I don't like the way that my wife drives because I can't control it. And I end up pretending that there's a brake pedal on my side of the car. And there's not. I just push my I swear my foot's going to go through the floor one day. Uh, so because I like things just the way I like them, this is a, this is a whole personality thing for me. It's not just control, but it's like I work hard to make things neat, to make things clean, to make things organized. And I don't like when people mess my stuff up. So it, that's a whole thing for me. So co-teaching is tricky because you're dealing with someone else's stuff. And so I've had co-teachers like my man finds who I've, I've had in videos. He's a big guy with a beard. Finds is I, I find I hope you're watching this too because I don't, I've said this to your face. He's a messy guy. He's far more off the cusp. He doesn't plan anything. He is, um, but man, he's spontaneously amazing. And so he made me feel like I was more like a prog rock kind of guy when he was just punk rock and we're just going to play this. Set. We're going to make the song up while we're on stage. And I do have some of that in me, but he was that on like to the nth degree. Um, I found that even when we're working with dudes like Fines, I'm working with anyone, it's when we found a pure co-teaching rhythm. And what that looked like for us was finding things that like, what did he do uniquely well? What, were his, what was his giftedness? What was my giftedness? And then let's play into that. And then how does that affect our lessons? So what we found was that I am, so, all right, so in some of my best case scenarios, there are people that I do this thing, man, I freaking forget to take attendance all the time. It is like one of my biggest failures as an educator. And that, that might not seem like a big deal until the principal has to come to your room and it says in your final report for the year because you freaking forget to take attendance all the time. It's a huge safety issue too. But I love starting class off with a bang. So I'm like shaking hands and kissing babies at the door. Well, not any kiss anybody, but like shaking hands at the door and I'm like coming in and like it's game on. I got the music on. I got the timer on. I'm setting up the lesson and it's like full show time. While I'm doing that, something my co-teacher is checking homework, is making sure kids are on point, is taking attendance, is inputting attendance so we don't get in trouble, is making sure that sort of logistical stuff is being done. Then we flip the script. They teach the next part of the lesson. They are doing whatever the review is, whatever the setup is or whatever. And while I am kind of behind the scenes, cleaning up whatever I did in the beginning, checking in with students, making sure everyone's okay. And then we flip the script again, and then I take the next part. So it's this constant going from one thing to another, to another, to another. 
And uh, for those of you that are old enough, it's like it's the it's the Live Aid model, where at the Live Aid concert in 1986, 84, I don't know, Lopez probably knows, they, you have one stage in the U.S., in Philadelphia, uh, is has a show, has a band playing, and then as soon as that band's done, there's one at in England that starts playing. So you, it's like there's no time lost, and you're ready. It's like the perfect tag team match. And then we split duties as well. So whether it's great, so the things that she was teaching, she's or he or she, that's my last co-teacher was a woman. Um, so it's he or she is teaching. They're, they're grading that stuff or we're splitting grading or some man, best case scenario is let's say I take it off with a, with a tight pre-class, right? Or tight bell ringer while she's teaching her next part. I'm already busting out grades for bell ringers, getting it done. Then when we're done and I'm going to my next part, she's already handing those grades out. Those grades are done and they're inputted because I did it super quick. So it's this kind of balancing act of going back and forth. If you find that one or the other of you is, is too heavy, the leader, you got to start figuring out small ways to sort of share that. And I find that people that are the heavy, heavy leaders, like there's a power dynamic there that they are having a hard time giving up on or, or sharing. So that becomes a little bit tricky too. All right, let's see if I have time for one more in here if we have one more question um this i think this is i don't know if this is a question or not but we're going to go with hank uh what's up hank um i teach fifth and my students return from lunch on 11 and usually bring conflicts back to the to the room i'm wondering what folks have done to make lunch a better place for kids so that is a great question dude and so i would say i would have an activity that shifts the energy of students, that it doesn't take that much to change energy. So I, this is a lot of times why I teach with my lights off in my room and just the windows shades pulled up fully because it changes the vibe. I change the music. I'm meeting kids at the door. I am maybe reading something to them when they're coming in. I will watch a video of something would maybe be like my first, and even if I didn't do this with any other classes, what kind of video am I watching? What story am I telling? What am I doing that is grabbing their attention? And then it is pointing it in a separate direction. Um, sometimes it's addressing the elephant in the room. All right, listen, y'all, listen. Oh, wait, wait. I hear all this going on. Don't leave me out. You know, I love good gossip, right? Like, I love knowing what's going on in the school. I love gossip. Why? Because it keeps me in the know of what's actually happening. I'm not looking to find out, like, like, I'm not engaging in gossip or talking trash, right? That's not interested in that at all. But teachers always want to know how I know who who broke up, who might get in a fight later, what's going on in the street. Like, I know because I'm asking kids. Y'all got to give me the lowdown. And then here's what I do, Hank. I sit with kids when I ask this. I'm not just standing in the front. I'm sitting at a seat, usually in the middle of the classroom, and I'm trying to get the lowdown on what's going on. And when I ask what's going on, I need to see hands. And I go, all right. I want to know from, and I'm looking at kids, so I don't even have to say their names. I go one, two, three, four, five, right? I want to know, and then don't retell anything. I need you to fill in the gap. You have 60 seconds to tell me what's going on. Then in five minutes, I know everything that's going on. Everyone got a chance to share. And then we, it, it, that's it. I gave kids the space, the time to do it. Or 
I go, all right, listen, y'all, I, I need to know what's going on because this sounds, this sounds juicy. I need to know the deal. But uh, I'll give you the time. At the last five, I need to get through this. If we can get through this, then I'll give you the last five minutes to share this in class. And then you feel it out and see like what you need to know, right? Like maybe by the end of class, the energy shifted enough and you don't have to do it. But it's finding something to do that is a really quick game, uh, icebreaker, an engagement activity, something that's going to shift kids drastically. And I've, we've done everything. We've even, I'll tell you what we've done with 10th graders because we knew them better than the ninth graders. Whatever that, um, I'm going to forget what it is. All elementary teachers know what it is. Maybe you could put it in the chat. The thing where the kids dance in class, it's like you can play these little videos and it's like these people that are dancing and teaching something at the same time. It's like, I've done even those things in my classroom because it is silly. The kids know that it's silly. We want silly because this is overwhelming right now. And that is, it's figuring out those easy ways to shift things. Um, and, or, you know, I'll tell you what, I, and, and I didn't know this was strategy, but darn, man, she was brilliant. Mrs. Pancheson, my fourth grade teacher in Haddon Heights, New Jersey at 7th Avenue School, used to read to us as soon as we came in. <clears throat> and I'll tell you what, all kids still love being read to. She would read a few pages of a book, and all those books, especially My Side of the Mountain, things like Where the Red Fern Grows, uh, fourth grade, tell them, tells them fourth grade nothing are still some of my favorite stories of all time. She would bring us in from, from we have recess right after gym, keep, bring us upstairs, turn the lights off, heads were down on the thing, and then she would read to us for about 20 minutes. And I'll tell you what, man, talk about resetting. That was some teacher magic going on there. But um, listen, I'm all by myself. I'm going to end this here this week. If I didn't get to your question, I really, really apologize. Trying to get to as many as I can, but without my wife here, which will be, we should be back. We should be back to full tilt. I'm in Kansas this week. So if you are at, uh, is it Kansas State University or University of Kansas? One, I forget how to say, it, which is really bad. But the older I get, the worse my memory is getting. I'm giving a talk there at the big theater on campus on Thursday, and then I'm running breakout sessions for them. So if you're around in Kansas, stop on by. Uh, I'll be right there on the main street, hanging out at night and stuff like that. Um, let me know. I'd love to, to hang out with you. And then um, we should have things at least to a point where we can run a pretty normal Sunday night teacher talk next week. So um, I care about you guys so much. I love that you're here every week. Thank you so much for your patience with all that we're doing right now. Um, and I hope you have a really wonderful week and we'll see you next Sunday. Peace gang.